Today on Watching Your Wealth, what LGBT couples need to know about financial and estate planning. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Wendy Hartman is a tax and estate planning lawyer who specializes in same-sex couples. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Great to have you. So, Wendy, since gay marriage became legal, LGBT couples no longer need to do that much financial planning, right? Not exactly. The uh, An estate plan really is for a person who wants to protect their dispositive wishes. That means they want to determine where their assets will go, where their estate will go. So being married is not a determinative factor in whether or not somebody needs an estate plan. It encourages people to get an estate plan when they become married because they want to make sure they protect their spouses, but it's not a determining factor in whether or not somebody needs an estate plan. Right. Everybody needs them. So of your clients, are, mean, are most of them married at this point now? that marriage is legal? Well, uh, Williams Institute um, provided a a report yesterday, and it said that there are 550,000 same-sex couples now married in the United States. uh, 390,000 were before marriage equality in June 2015. So about 150 came in after marriage equality. So... um, my couples are often married, but I still have very many uh, many couples who are not married, same-sex couples who are not married. And uh, folks that aren't marrying, or is it some of it because of financial reasons? There's still tax issues for some of the couples. Um, when we get married as a young person, we don't really think about the tax consequences of getting married. But many of our same-sex couples are older. They're coming into this later in life. They've established themselves in, in work relationships, um, retirement relationships. They have a st- purchased assets. So there are a lot of reasons where taxes may come in as a factor, and they look at the tax factor of getting married or not getting married. And some couples still determine that it's better not to be married for them for tax purpose. Also, maybe if they were previously married and have a kid from a prior relationship, inheritance issues may also come into this too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of tax factors. We have to look at every couple individually and make sure that we're addressing their needs. Not their needs just as a married couple, but their needs specifically. Is there some planning that you're helping people undo at this point? The only thing we're really undoing these days are we're doing undoing um, adoptions where sometimes a person would adopt their partner who was younger than them. Oh, interesting. And they wanted to do that for planning purposes so that their, their adopted partner would then inherit from them under statutory laws. So we're undoing some of those uh, relationships and and um, there aren't that many, but we're we're still doing undoing some of those. Fascinating. And some of the sp- folks I spoke to, other advisors are un- are saying to sec- same sex couples who have kids, saying still do the second parent adoption. What do you think of that? We are. In, I'm a California attorney, and we're recommending that as well. And uh, my colleagues across the country seem to be doing it as well. What we're doing is we want to make sure that while marriage equality might last. Each state, adoption rules are set by the states, and there's no determinative factor um, that a state will recognize an adoption or will recognize the marriage and the other parent if the couple splits up. So the adoption protects not only the adopting parent, it also protects the child so that they have a lifelong and continuing relationship. That's smart. Also hearing about folks dissolving some of the state sponsors' domestic partnerships. What do you say to that? Um, 
again, here in California, excuse me, in California, we have a uh, system where the domestic partnership, if the marriage is dissolved, the domestic partnerships can be dissolved at the same time. Other states do not have that. So if a couple is a domestic partner or is in a civil union, um, they have to look to their own state law to, to, see, to see if that can be uh, terminated at the same time the marriage is terminated or if there's an ongoing relationship they just want to do away with that status. There's no reason to have it any longer. The marriage is settled. The marriage is good. Um, it's a state-by-state state basis, really. It's every state, every person needs to look to their own state laws. I apologize. Indeed. So, you know, I've heard some folks saying that they're worried about some rollback of rights and privileges recently won. What do you think of that? And, and if that is a risk, is there steps we should be taking just in case? Well, I think marriage equality is safe. I think there's a a good chance that that will not be undone, but we never know. I mean, we don't know what the... What our uh, politicians will do in the future. So how do we protect each other? The best way to protect each other is really through documentation. Do whatever you can to protect that marriage, protect your family, protect your spouse and your children. And we do that often through documentation. So if for any reason the marriage is um, determined to be... It's unlikely that any marriage that exists at this time will ever be determined to be um, a rollback on that. But moving forward, we may lose marriage equality. It's unlikely, but we may lose marriage equality. So how do we help each other? Again, documentation, proper documentation. So like documentation, like can uh, you give some examples of some documents we might want to have? I want to make sure that everybody has a this, this, uh, couple of documents that are critical. First document that's critical is how do you want your assets disposed of at your death? Do you want it through uh, to go to your family? Do you want it to go to your spouse? Do you want it to go to your spouse and then to your children? We use trust to make that determinative wish. We're able to stay out of um, the court, the probate court, when we use a trust. We also have wills. Sometimes wills are more appropriate. They just say, these are my wishes. I want my assets to go to my spouse. If my spouse is gone, I want them to go to my children. A will also protects um, the child for guardianship purposes. It explicitly says, those are the persons I want to be the guardian of my children in the event my spouse and I die or my partner and I die. Healthcare direct directives are also critical because they you can walk into a hospital that says, this is what I want. These are my wishes. This is the person who I want to help make decisions for me in the event I can't on my incapacity. So the three major critical documents are really the healthcare directive, a will or a pour over will as we call it when you also have a trust and a trust in many states. That's good advice. Not to take any chances. Just make sure you have everything there in black and white. So with a healthcare provider or someone else challenges you, you can say, no, you have to honor yes. this. And I tell clients to travel with their documents, at least the healthcare directives and maybe the parentage adoption documentation, whatever they have with regard to their children, and sometimes a domestic partnership certificate or the marriage license. It never hurts to have extra documentation, make copies of it, scan it, put it on the cloud, do whatever, but at least be able to access it and let a couple of people know how to access it. Because if, God forbid, there's an ever a, um, a tragedy or an emergency, emergency, people can get to the documentation and they can reach the right people. Great tips. Wendy, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'd love for you to take our fun estate planning quiz. Okay. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. 
Discover more at viking.com. Enjoy our podcast? Then listen in your car. Before you start down the road, just sync your smartphone using Bluetooth or plug into the USB port. Got Apple CarPlay? Just tap on the podcast app and search for WSJ. So, the next time you're getting behind the wheel, take us along and enjoy the ride. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. We're back with lawyer Wendy Hartman, who's going to take our fun estate planning quiz. Wendy, you ready? Okay. All right, Wendy, what's the best estate planning advice you ever heard? Make sure that you treat each person and each couple individually. The, every single married couple is not the same as their next door neighbor who's also a married couple. Every couple is an, in, they're an individuals, and every individual should be treated. So their planning should be very uh, specific for them. Worst estate planning advice you ever heard? That nobody needs an estate plan once because the exclusion is so high now. The estate tax exclusion is now almost $5.5 million, and people are advising some couples that they don't need any couple, but they don't need an estate plan because it'll automatically go to their spouse, which may be true, but it's better to have the documentation anyway. Just in case. Fill in the blank. Estate planning can buy... I think it can buy peace of mind because you can determine where you want your assets to go, who you want to represent you in the event of a death, where you want your assets to go, how you want your children protected. Fill in the blank estate planning can't buy. Can't buy necessarily um, tax advantages. In order to get tax advantages out of estate planning, you really need to go into some sophisticated planning that um, I'll leave that up to your professional advisors, but it doesn't buy tax benefits necessarily. And if you inherited $1 million after tax, what would you do with it? I'd probably go see one of uh, one or more of my uh, professional advisors, financial planners that I tend to work with, and um, I'd love to see how they give me suggestions on it. But I try to be cautious with it. I have a family, and I want to make sure I protect whatever I can for them as well. Makes sense. Thanks so much for joining us, Wendy. You're welcome. Thank and, you. And this has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.